How's everybody doing today? Are you glad to be here? Glad to be in church today. Glad to be able to get out. I know that um, we have uh, lots of things happening in our world, and um, it's, it's, it's just, a, I guess it's a tough time. So we want to continue to pray for our country and for everything that's going on. And um, I just, uh, sometimes I remember, some of you won't remember from the 90s, but it became kind of a mantra. Can't we all just get along? And uh, one of the things that the church has called us to, or God has called the church to, excuse me, is to love each other and to love others and to be inviting and to welcome others in. And when... uh, um, Amanda spoke a couple of weeks ago. One of the things she said that stuck out to me was um, God has called us to be peacemakers, right? Blessed are the peacemakers in uh, Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. If you haven't, if you're not familiar with that, read that. It's it's amazing. So anyway, uh, here we are. God has called his church to be a movement. Now, God, through Jesus, started a movement uh, many years ago, over 2,000 years ago. And I began, if you remember, we talked last week, I began to feel like God was calling us to be a movement. But as I kind of dug into it, I realized God has already started the movement. Uh, It reminds me of a song, a a song from the 80s. Y'all remember, we didn't start the fire. (laughs) It's always burning since the world's been turning. Listen, God has already started this movement. It's already going on. It is what caused half the Roman Uh, population, the Roman Empire, the known world at the time to become Christian followers of Jesus uh, within 300 years because they started a movement, a movement of love. It's been going on, but God is asking us to join that movement and in, in, in essence start a movement in our own communities and in the community that we serve here to become part of this idea of love, this revolution that he is starting. So last week we talked about um, being kingdom-minded, and each week we're going through things that God has called us to, to do or to be a part of, to be people of a movement. What does that look like? And last week we talked about being kingdom-minded. Um, everything that we do and say and think should be surrounded about uh, and by God's kingdom. What does God want from us? What, is he, what does the kingdom look like? We should take that everywhere that we go. And we use the story of the lady who had 10 coins and she lost one and she went looking for it high and low trying to find it. She became desperate to see and find the coin that she lost. Well, it's the same for us when we see people who are lost. We need to be kingdom-minded first. Everything that we do and say and think and the way we act should all be centered around the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, and we talked about this quite a bit last week, it's the place where the poor and the marginalized and the outsiders are welcomed in and embraced and accepted and loved like they belong and like they're one of us. So today I want to turn our attention to joy, to joy. What what is joy and and how does it play into this? I believe that people of a kingdom, of, of the kingdom of God, are people who are part of this movement to bring freedom are people who are filled with joy. So what is joy? We we often confuse happiness and joy. If you will indulge me just a minute, happiness is dependent on our environment. It is conditional. It depends on what happens to me. 
That's happiness. If, if good things are happening to me, then I feel happy, that I'm able to, to do things. If my situation is not good, then I'm not happy. We can all relate to that, right? I think my kids um, think that perhaps I'm a happy person in the morning. They really don't know because I get up before they do. <laughs> and, and that first 30 minutes when I'm by myself, that's the time that I have to find my happiness, you know, and the good things that happen to me are like coffee that happens early in the morning. That's awesome. That makes me happy. Um, getting a little quiet time, that makes me happy. And then when they come in and they start, you know, chattering and bumbling around and, uh, you know, that's something happening to me. Sometimes that makes me not happy. <laughs> if people are treating me bad, which they don't do, I'm joking. They're great kids. If people are treating me bad, then I'm unhappy. If they're treating me good, you, you understand? It's conditional. Joy, on the other hand, is different. The Hebrew word for joy means to leap or spin around with pleasure. That's an interesting definition, isn't it? To leap or spin around with pleasure. In the Greek, it refers to gladness or bliss and celebration. That's the way that the Greek and the Hebrew talks about joy. I heard somebody say about joy that it throbs throughout Scripture as a profound, compelling quality of life that transcends the events and disasters which may dog God's people. Did you get that? Hold on, let me say that again. Compelling, uh, throbs throughout Scripture as a profound, compelling quality of life that transcends the events and disasters which may dog God's people. The, the events that are dogging us today are transcended by people who are full of joy. Joy is a divine dimension of living that is not shackled by circumstance. There's a lot there. Some tweetable things, I think. A, uh, joy is a divine dimension of living that is not shackled by circumstance. So the things going on around us and in our life, those things are not shackled, have not shackled our joy. Joy is independent of those things. And as I get into the message today, don't forget the notes are in the Bible app. Or you can go to the church's app and find the notes there. And we're going to be reading today out of John chapter 16, starting with verse 20. John chapter 16, starting with verse 20. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor when her child is born. Her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice, and no one can rob you of that joy. Now, to give a little uh, perspective here. Jesus is talking to his disciples, explaining to them that he's going to be gone and they're going to look for him and they're not going to be able to find him. You remember, you remember all of these things that he said. And he says, you know, you're going to weep and, and you're, you're going to not understand what happened to me. And, and things are going to be falling apart and, and your joy is what's going to save you. Okay, continue on. At that time, you won't need to ask me for anything. I tell you the truth. You will ask the Father directly, and he will grant your request because you use my name. You haven't done this before. Ask using my name, and you will receive, and you will have abundantly. So today, what I want to talk about are two things, things that steal our joy and things that give us joy, things that steal and things that give. Here's the, the, and let's start with things that steal our joy. 
Paul gives the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. You uh, probably remember that and you've heard it. And he says the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But before he goes into that, he asks the church in Galatia a very pointed question. In Galatians 4.15, he says, What has happened to all your joy? What has happened to all your joy? And I think that's something we as a church need to talk about. What has happened to all of our joy? Because the fruits of the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit, and he goes on to say, our love, the second one is what? Joy. Like the fruits of the Spirit, if we're filled with the Spirit, then we should have joy in our life. But he recognizes that that's not what's happened. He says, what has happened to your joy? We must have joy. (laughs) Sounds kind of hard to say that way, right? But it's the truth. We must have joy. And we must identify the things that steal our joy. William Barclay said, a gloomy Christian is a contradiction in terms. I like that. And nothing in all religious history has done Christianity more harm than its connection with black clothes and long faces. Because when people see us, followers of Jesus, what do they see? Do they see people who are full of joy and who are living a different kind of life and are embedded in the kingdom of God and they think, oh man, I want that. Or do they see us with long faces and irritable? So let's talk about some things that steal our joy. The first one I have is because we're dissatisfied with our life. (laughs) Do you ever feel like you're just going through joyless routines in your life? It's just a joyless routine. Our routine is, um, and I just told you a little bit about it, in the morning I wake up and I'll go make coffee and I feed the dogs. It's kind of my routine. And you know, you forget... I even got to the point where making the coffee didn't bring me joy anymore. (laughs) Even though I know it's going to be awesome and I'm going to love it here in a minute. It just becomes part of our routine. I think routine is something we have to be very careful about because it will destroy what we have going on. Anyway, long story short, last night I thought, you know what? I'm going to make, I'm going to pre-make the coffee (laughs) so that in the morning it comes on automatically. Um, Took a minute to figure out how to program that coffee maker, but I got it. And this morning when I heard that thing beep, I got all excited <laughs> because all the work's already been done. Now it's, it's beeping and saying, hey, your coffee's ready. Woo, like I'm excited. Now I know how Cerisa feels. <laughs> Just kidding. Because I'm always making her coffee, you know. So when the coffee gets made, she gets excited. This morning we were able to be excited together because there goes the beeps. Hmm. Are we going through joyless routines in our life? If the truth were known... Some of us are discontent with the way our lives are progressing. We're discontent with what's going on. It could be maybe the expectations for your marriage haven't been met, or maybe your kids aren't living like they should, or maybe you don't have everything you want, like a a house or a car or a better job. We always go chasing those things. I find it interesting that Paul says, Contentment is a secret. (laughs) There's a mystery about it. 
He says he had to learn how to live with unsatisfied expectations. How can we have joy when life isn't happening the way that we thought it might be? We must learn to live with little and we must learn to live with plenty. Contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want, but when we want everything we have. That's good. Contentment doesn't come when we have everything we want, but when we want everything we have. Are we content? Are we content with the way things have turned out for us? Are we content with the way our families are? And here's the deal. Dissatisfaction, discontentment will rob us of our joy. There's an expectation. There's even a desire to have more, to be more, to get more. You know, I mean, we're, we're all in America, right? We, uh, that's the American dream, to have all you want, to be all that you can be, to, to get everything that you have coming to you. It's our right. And when those things don't happen, it kind of steals our joy. I think Paul discovered the secret of contentment. Philippians chapter 4, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Don't let the circumstance of your life steal your joy because our contentment is not found in the things we have, in the status we have achieved, in, um, in our families, in our marriage. That's not where our contentment is found. Our contentment is found through the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But those things, it'll rob you of your joy. All right, another thing that'll steal your joy is conflict. (laughs) Right? You guys all know that. When we have unresolved conflict, it robs us of joy. We allow the conflict in our lives between us and somebody else to, to dishearten us, to drag us down. To cause us angst. It dominates our emotions. And it dominates our mind. And we get so dominated by it that we have nothing left to give to God. Because all of our thoughts, all of our emotions, and all of our feelings are being given to this conflict. We've been going through our class, just finished it up today, a book uh, called Unoffendable. We might be talking about that on Sundays before too long. Can we live a life unoffendable? Can we do it? Someone offends us and we allow it to lead to conflict. (laughs) In Galatians, Paul tells us that the whole of the law is summed up in one thing. Do you remember that? The whole of the law is summed up in loving others. Being a Christian is all about love. And if we truly love other people, now, and we, we man, we spent a lot of time oh, this, in 2020 on love, but if we truly have love for other people, 
then the discontentment we have with them and the, and the conflict we have with them will go away. And Paul tells us very succinctly in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is. He said, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's what, that's what love is. We will be wronged in this life, but we got to get over it. Because love keeps no record of wrongs. Third thing that will steal our joy is sin in our lives. I don't have to say a lot about that. I will just say this. If you have sin in your life and you know it's there, get rid of it. Because it is sucking the joy out of your life. When people see you, they will understand that something is wrong with you. And people who don't know Jesus won't want to know him because of the way that you act, because you're holding on to that sin. And it's as easy as saying, God, take this sin from me. Remove this sin from my life. You know, by the blood of Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven by saying a word. I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but when I was a kid, um, one of my favorite things was a Tonka truck. Anybody remember Tonka trucks? Do they still have Tonka trucks? We, I was able to find one for Caden once upon a time, but I don't even know where that thing went. Tonka truck. So Tonka, my Tonka truck, was a, it was yellow, and, it, and it, had a, it was a dump truck. And, man, I wore that thing out. Remember that Tonka truck? And so we lived out in the country, and um, my folks had dug a, um, a, a hole for the septic tank, right? And the dirt was all piled up next to it. And me and that Tonka truck and that pile of dirt had hours and hours and hours of fun because I would go up there, and at the time, believe it or not, I was small enough, I would sit on the truck and ride it down the hill. And I'd go back up to the and ride it down the hill and go back up and ride it down the hill. Like, I don't, and then, you know, put your hands on it and run around to pushing that goofy truck. I loved that dumb Tonka truck until I broke it. <laughs> I wore it smooth out, that Tonka truck. God used later in my life that Tonka truck to teach me a lesson because I remember I was, I had, I had messed up again, and I had sinned, and God forgive me for these sins or whatever, and I, I just was scared to death that God was going to quit forgiving me. Like, I was, I was going to break him. And he reminded me, he said, I'm not like your Tonka truck. <laughs> I'm not like your Tonka truck. You're not going to break me. I'm going to love you. The blood of Jesus Christ has covered all your sin. You just keep trying to live for me. And it was so freeing when I realized that no matter what I did, he was still going to love me. That was so like an epiphany for me when God shared that with me. It, it was amazing. So get rid of the sin in your life, right? Long story. <laughs> Man, we're only halfway through. I better hurry up. All right, let's get on to things that can give us joy. Things that can give us joy. God wants to restore and cultivate our joy. He wants us to be joy. Listen, these series of messages are not just random. These are things that God has shared with me. If we're going to be people of a movement, if truly we will start a movement in our community to join his, his movement that he's already started, if truly that's going to happen, then these, we will be kingdom-minded people we will be people full of joy because nobody wants to follow somebody who doesn't have joy. They don't want to be anything like them. Imagine the people in your life. Cerise and I, we jokingly call them Eeyores. Eeyores, anybody know Eeyore? You remember? 
The hundred acre woods, right? Eeyore, nobody likes me. Does anybody care? Like, don't be an Eeyore. Nobody wants to follow Eeyore. He's, he is the, the, the joke, right? Winnie the Pooh, that's who we all want to be like. Or Tigger, even. Y'all, anybody, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's not as popular as it used to be. T-I-double-G-U-R. <laughs> he wants to restore our joy. Okay, the first is recognizing that God is joyful. Listen, God is not a taskmaster laying out a list of rules for us to follow, but he is a, he is a being who is rejoicing over us. He loves us. He, he wants us to be content. He wants that for us. He doesn't want to take all your toys and make your life dull and you're going to wear black and have a long face. It's not what he wants for you. He wants you to have the things that, that you want, but the things that line up with what he wants too. And, and this is really cool. One of my favorite Old Testament scriptures is in Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is with you. The mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you. Understand that. Like we could do a whole message on this, but he will take great delight. That's a powerful word in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Now, when you dig into that Hebrew, it it really paints this image of God that the psalm tells us, breathes stars, is dancing over you. He is dancing a a happy jig over you, like I am so pleased with you, I love you so much. He's rejoicing over you. The the image in the the Hebrew word is is so deep that the English doesn't capture it correctly. He delights over you, he is dancing over you. That's the the word that they use for rejoice. He will rejoice over you. How does it's really dance with singing? He's dancing. He delights in you. He breaks out in song when he thinks of you. Can you? I get chills thinking about my God doing that for me. God is a joyful God, and we bring joy to Him. Is that awesome? Next thing is a worship of God going to bring us joy. When we worship God, we are celebrating his attributes, right? That worship fills us with joy, knowing the God of the universe is by our side. That's why worship is so important. We understand the God of the universe is by our side. We're filled with joy over that. When we worship him, we're celebrating his attributes. We allow our joy to flow to him. He dances and rejoices over us and sends the joy back to us. So it's like this uh, circle, this cyclical event happening. We are giving God joy and he is returning it by giving it to us. So worship becomes such a major aspect of our Christian walk. Worship God. And I'm not talking about just come to church on Sunday morning to worship God. I'm saying when you're going for a walk and, and you see things, worship God. When you are cooking a meal or eating a meal, worship God. Thankful for what he is, you know, a praise and a worship. Just spend time worshiping God because when we do that, we're sending joy to him. And he's returning joy to us through worship. Another way is loving others. Joy is infectious. 
Joy is infectious. I've uh, found a string of videos that people are trying to make each other laugh. Have you guys seen that at all? Like one person is telling a joke to another person and they're both trying to not laugh. Well, it always ends in everybody laughing because it's infectious. Like you're trying to tell a joke and I'm going to say this joke and you can't laugh and I'm not going to laugh and then I start smiling and you start smiling. It's, it's like this infectious thing. Um, happiness obviously is infectious. Joy is the same way. It does that. Joy is going to rub off on others. Our joy rubs off on them. Their joy rubs off on us. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. When, and I, I will admit, confess, I guess, that early in my life, I wasn't very good at this, rejoicing with others. Because I wanted them, and this is uh, maybe before I was sanctified, I wanted them to rejoice with me. Like, oh, that was a good, that was good, Cal, or you did good with that, or that was good. Yeah, rejoice with me, you know. I didn't really, wasn't very good at returning the favor. I've tried to get better, though, at saying, you know what? When I see something good for somebody, especially when I know how important it is to them, I want to rejoice. I want to rejoice with them. Oh, this is awesome. Look what you've done. This is, this is great. I'm so happy for you. Let me rejoice with you. Rejoice with those who rejoice. We can't rejoice with others if we're not connected with them. This is why small groups are so important. Join a Sunday school class or a small group that meets sometime during the week or a home group. We're starting home groups up uh, this month. If you want to start a home group or a small group, let me know. We will accommodate that because that is so important for us. When we do for others, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, providing shelter to the homeless, we find joy in that. This is direct obedience to God that finds, who finds delight in what we're doing, who in turn helps us find our joy. Love people. Another one, being a light. If we are people of joy, then we will light the way for others. We can show them what true freedom is like. True freedom. You know, we don't derive our joy from what's going on around us, but what's going on in our hearts. What's going on in our hearts? That's where the joy comes from. Luke 15 tells how heaven rejoices when somebody returns to God. This is the very thing that we talked about last week with the lost coin. We become desperate to see people come to know Jesus, right? And then that brings joy to heaven. They're rejoicing. We have become a light. That joy comes back to us. You see how it all starts to kind of work together. Here's another one. Uh, understanding that Jesus helps to carry our burdens, Brings us joy. Some people might define happiness as the absence of something, like, <laughs> I'm happy when the Philadelphia Eagles don't win. <laughs> Just makes my day. <laughs> like, I rejoice in that. <laughs> because I'm a Cowboys fan, right? The absence of their win makes me happy. <laughs> it's not the absence of something that brings us joy, but it's the presence of God. With his presence in our lives, we release our burdens to him. We experience joy, and it changes everything for us. Understanding that our burdens, Jesus helps to carry those. Being a true follower of Jesus 
is seen in that joy can be experienced in the midst of intense sorrow. Wrap your mind around that. Can you experience joy in the midst of intense sorrow? The only way that happens is because we allow Jesus to help carry our burdens. And here's the last one. Remain in Jesus. (laughs) Too often, people are looking for joy when you can't find it. Because joy is not going to be found. Happiness can be, but not joy in the things that are around. You're just not going to find it. If we remain in Jesus and he remains in us, then we find our joy. That's where it's at. If we want joy that is complete, then we will welcome the Holy Spirit into our lives. And this gets us back to what Paul said in the beginning. Where has your joy gone? Because if you're filled with the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are love and joy. That joy is going to just happen. You're just going to have it because you remain with the Holy Spirit and He remains in you. True joy happens when the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And you know the awesome thing about that is as we chase the Holy Spirit, pursue Him, and He, we don't have to chase Him, but you know what I mean, pursue Him in a relationship with Him. He fills us with His joy and it changes everything about us. Our demeanor, the way we look, the way we act, everything is different because we understand that joy is not coming from anything in this world, but from Him. And then as people understand that and they begin to experience that, they get a taste of what freedom is. Freedom from the things that bind us. Freedom from the the sadness and being forlorn and freedom. That's what we have with the Holy Spirit. So are we going to be people of joy? Are we going to join this movement? Are we going to be a part of a movement? Are we going to start a a movement in our communities? Because if we will, it's going to require that we become people of joy. We just have to be. So let that sink into your hearts. Let the Holy Spirit change the way that you feel so that you can have the joy that we're talking about. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for for who you are, for Holy Spirit, you coming into my heart, teaching me what joy is. Now listen, I understand that I'm not always happy. But I have something inside of me that just makes me different. And and Holy Spirit, you give me joy. So help us show others what joy is like. And I love what William Barclay said. One of the worst things that's happened to Christians are people perceiving us as wearing black and having long faces. Help us to be the most joyful people that anybody knows. So they'll say, my goodness, I want that. 
and we can say, cool, let me show you the way to freedom and the Holy Spirit in joy. We love you this morning. We thank you for all that you do for us. Continue to work in our lives, I pray. In Jesus' name.